0: Hello there, and welcome to Music Speaks. Uh, this podcast dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. People should know that I should be able to do this intro by now, but you know I'm still flubbing it over. But for this show, we have three co-hosts. My name is Sean McCumis. I have my friend Hunter Zagona, again, strangely, not in his white t-shirt, and my friend and professor Hanif Lawrence of musicals and studies of such. We are so proud that our mission statement is that everyone has a playlist that makes their lives unique through music, we pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests jamming to it incredibly we're talking about a wide variety of artists and composers and dot 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 dot, dot everything in between.
1: So, the description of what we're talking about today via our friends at Wikipedia and IMDb is A Christmas Carol the Musical is a 2004 American musical television film based on the 1843 novella of the same name by Charles Dickens, which also inspired a 1994 musical by Alan Menken and Lynn Ahrens. The story features an old, bitter miser who is given the chance for redemption when ghosts haunt him on Christmas Eve.
2: The movie was directed by Arthur Allen Seidelman and written by Aaron's. The film stars Kelsey Grammer, Jesse Martin, Jane Krakowski, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Geraldine Chaplin and Jason Alexander. The film first premiered on November 28th of 2004 on NBC Television Network. So off we go! And we're back from that commercial break, from that long break that we took, a week-long break. Yeah, here we are with part two. Um, so we're getting back into um, A Christmas Carol, right? The musical version from 2004. We're picking up where we left off. And we're starting this segment with Mr. Fezziweek's annual Christmas ball. That's where we are on the soundtrack right now. Um Sean, what do you have to say about this one?
0: This one is crazy. Super long. Ridiculous. Over the top. Dancing. We we literally just started this like a week ago and we're still going over how much choreography we have in the show. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. This one in particular is is so fast. I think I talked to Hunter about this a week ago that we're doing a lot of Irish jigging in this number and this yet is English, but we're doing a lot of Irish jigging in the show, which I don't really get, but it's kind of a cool thing that we're doing, which I think is kind of interesting. But what I find, sorry, go ahead. Uh, What I was going to say was that this number is, is like, again, it's very similar to the beginning where we use those nonsense words. You know, it's like, it's kind of like it's kind of like all over the place. We don't really know what we're doing, but still it's just this 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 glimmer of like what is what is actually happening in this space. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm point.
2: not so sure if all of these are like I wouldn't hmm I don't know if I'd call these nonsense words. They more give me the vibe of vocables, like just vocal syllables that would match maybe an instrument. Mm. So almost like, not necessarily vocal percussion, but definitely a vocal syllable. Rat-tat-tat-tat-tat gives me the feel of um, a snare drum. Like hitting the rim of a snare drum or so or or uh a snare drum with the snares on it gives me that bright kind of sound,
1: exams.
2: yeah, kind of like that um and then "Rumpa pom pom or rum pom pom from earlier, it gives me little drummer boy, which also kind of pulls out the the imagery or instills the imagery of Christmas, words like jolly and Fala la 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 and "Rumpa pom pom those all give you Christmas vibe um and so I think Ratata ta they did say this a lot the ratatat tat in this in this particular number there was a lot of that um, but I particularly like the ensemble work in this because yes it's it's a crazy dance piece, but it also has a lot of um ensemble singing in the legato style, so what people would call a pratic style, and so a lot of the singers there are singing very you know very open throated full bodied voices with all of the vibrato and all of the ringing and spinning in the sound very um Rogers and Hammerstein um big sound. It gives me, you know, The King and I and Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella and the sound of music, that kind of style of singing. Um and so I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. My only issue with this was a lot of the in a lot of the places, before I hand it over to Hunter, a lot of the places here, um, the choral arrangements have the deceptive cadences and deceptive endings of a lot of the phrases. And so you feel like it's heading to the big finish, but it's not. Then they swoop in, they pull the rug out from under you and go somewhere else. And so it's kind of like, it's 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 edging that big finish, and I didn't appreciate it <laughs> until the very end, when you finally get the big grand chord and the good resolution at the end. I was like, finally we're here, but it took so long to get there. Um, but it was an interesting journey, I would say. The arrangement was good. So what do you think about this one hunter
1: so for me definitely obviously you know every every show needs a good dance number and this is definitely it um but the first thing i thought of was okay they start with the fiddle right and the fiddle is obviously very symbolic of peasantry so it's supposed to be like we're in the people's corner now you know it's like away from what scrooge would be used to um but sort of how he was brought up so it's 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 you know making him reconcile with his past but into it all the the only thing i could think of while i was listening to this is it's like a cleaner version of master of the house Mm -hmm. from les mis like that's the that's the vibe i got you know the, the party atmosphere and it's but it's not as raunchy obviously as master of the house um but that's the sort of vibe you get from this party scene you know group dancing all that kind of all that kind of big stuff excuse me so, I think that that is something. Um, I think that's sort of uh, maybe something they're trying to evoke because you know that would have been like what ten years before this, maybe a little under. Um, I don't know when exactly the is came out, but you know, I, if you're talking about village life, you need a song in the pub. Yeah. Hunter, there's children in this. Stop being so raunchy about this music. I know. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta get away yeah
2: and so I, I i agree a lot of this it being in the pub and the kind of dancing you said there shawnee said there are irish jigs in this watching the the movie itself i saw what looked like i don't want to say square dancing because it wasn't square dancing but it gave me almost a western feel and i was so I i was there was a lot happening There was a lot going on, because the dancing looked like one style from one genre, the singing was another, and then um, the overall look of it was a a whole different scape. So I was like, there's a lot happening here. Maybe I don't understand all of the the elements that are coming together, but it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, Uh it it came together for the overall effect. But um, there's a note here. uh, It just says, be our guest, lol. And I... (laughs) Very much so. It's still see more Beauty and the Beast references coming in because it, it does feel like be Our guest, that grand number with all of with so much of the cast coming together and putting together this this big thing. Maybe this is the second act opener. Is this is this what this could be? The dance number that opens the next act? Possibly changes gears, switches what's going on in the story. And so that was uh Fuzzy Weeks Annual Christmas Ball that introduces another element to the story, then moves back to a place called home. So that comes back for another iteration. What do you have to say about this one, Hunter?
1: Well, I mean, for me, you know, it's a, it's, since it's him this time, it says Grouge at 10, you know, it's meant to put him back in the time period of his childhood and then make him realize, oh, what was I doing at this point? Where was I? I was a part of it. Um, you know, it's like uh, you, you can't run. They say you can't run from your past, which is obviously what he's been trying to do. Um, and I think that serves as a, both a musical and visual reminder to the audience, um, calling back to the, the original version of the song, which was just before um, Mr. Fizzlewick's annual Christmas ball. So it's like that was an interlude almost to be bookended by the reprise. Mm hmm.
2: So Sean, what, what do you think about the, the bring back of A Place Called Home after Fezzy oh Week's annual Christmas ball?
0: It's, it's, it really is heartbreaking because you can see in the movie and you can see in the show how Scrooge does not want to live relive this memory at all. Mm-hmm. Because this is the moment where he kind of loses everything. And I feel like this is like a really big moment for him because he then realizes that this is the chance that he had to maybe have started in the family. Um, but mm-hmm. that chance just kind of goes away like that because of a couple of simple words, like I'm going to save up my money and then we'll get married, but here's a wedding ring anyway, so you can have it, you know? Um, and I think that,
2: well, no, finish what you're saying first and then I'll come in with, 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 with my left field comment. <laughs>
0: Well, I think I think what what's so funny, let me not so funny about this one is that there there is this this serious amount of like of love and tender and joy, but they really see it in one another and they're truly in love. And Scrooge doesn't want to face that. Like there was a moment where he was in love, and that's another moment where you kind of see him resent Fred. Like he's like love. Like why did you marry her for love? You know, like and still there's this level of like he he loved this woman and yet there's still like there's this level of like figuring that out and then like home to both of them means comfort and being together so the word home has changed from when scrooge was talking to fan now that scrooge's talking to emily and that the relationship has changed that 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 home is now them being together in a different capacity than with fan and scrooge
2: mm-hmm. Now, I... Watching this, I don't know if I... Following the introduction of her character, it seemed a little... um, I guess you're you're learning more of the backstory. And I don't think I liked her enough for this to be um, this emotionally traumatic to understand why he became who he was. Like, okay... I was just starting to get to know her and then all of a sudden she shows up at the at, at his business and says here's your ring because you don't love me as much as you love this business. I was just like, this is just dramatic. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> Get it
1: together. What
2: is, like, maybe they needed to be like a longer montage or a little bit more of the development. I know this is the movie and this is not the book, but yeah. I never bought into their relationship enough emotionally for this to be the huge deal that would have sent him careening down into toward his, his hellish behavior now.
0: Well, if um, I want to say before you keep going, which is there is a scene in the book where mm-hmm. Christmas Past takes him to see what Emily's life would have been like if, if – well, what Emily's life looks like now as in mm-hmm. a life that they could have possibly had together. And oh, wait. They, she
2: ain't dead? And oh, no. They just broke up. Bro. They, just,
0: they just broke up. Yeah, yeah. And she, she married someone else, you know. Mm-hmm. And she so screwed that life instead. And, oh, okay. and and then they sort of, then Scrooge is like, this is what I could have had. I could have had kids. I could have had a home. I could have been with people, you know, I could have been a little more wholesome, but I think it's, it's something that definitely weighs on Scrooge and something that he doesn't want to go into because it's, it's a very painful and traumatic memory.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess I'll give you this one, but my, my major, my other piece of contention with this is, um, and this is a musical thing. Okay. In the duet that they have, um, their vowels don't match. And so the harmonies <laughs> and the unison <laughs> passages, they don't really settle. And if you look very closely, I know they're lip syncing a lot of this, like it for the for the purposes of filming it, mm-hmm. but even when I, well, I would assume it well, it's the same person singing who are on screen portraying the characters, I believe, for right. the most part. At least these two. Um And if you watch, even just watching them lip syncing, the the vowel shapes of their mouth, they don't match. And so that's exactly what happens in the audio. When they're supposed to be singing in unison, and this is one of the things I always tell my, 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 my students, singing in unison is one of the most difficult things to do. As a like as a vocalist, it is one of the hardest things to do. Unison is so hard. You think it's easy, but it's not. And so in this duet, when they're supposed to be, you know, coming together and both of the voices blend beautifully, they don't because the vowels don't match, and the harmonies also feel a little unsettled because of the 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 vowel issues.
0: And now, Hanif, you can use this song to remind them: do not sound like this. Exactly. You can point exactly.
2: to the song and say, do not do this? You do, exactly. No, this is 2004, and I think a lot of the kids in this class were born long after that, so I don't know if they've <laughs> ever seen this movie. <laughs> For a lot of these high school kids, 9-11 isn't, they're like, not what? Mm, they weren't even thought of then, so. Yeah. But we'll see. hmm yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to mention about this one? A place called... We're going to hear more about Home, of course, as this continues, but... Before we move on to the next one.
0: The oboe does come back in the beginning of this one too. Which I think is Mm. because it's really again relative to to the the the, that nostalgia. Again, recalling a previous song that he had sung when he was younger, you know?
2: So Mm -hmm. So. tying back into the memories. Well, following this, we then go into the money montage. The money montage. The money montage. Now, though here we meet another one of the ghosts, but this one, um, wait, is this, this is the yeah. same one actually, the same one whose clothes always seem to be blowing in the non-existent breeze. <laughs> Yes, that was my. At at one point, everybody else is standing perfectly still, and she's just well lit as usual. I think she's what the ghost of Christmas Present, past, past, past. or Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah, for whatever reason, she's just standing still, and everyone else is looking around, and her clothes, her hair, everything just blowing in the breeze. I was like, "What is happening? Why is this going on? Is this a part of her theme?" Um, so that that got me. Um, but Sean, what do you think about the money montage? The engagement is off.
0: Well, I think that this one in particular um, is a little more developed in the musical because there's more lines, more things are spoken. There's more spoken lines in this song than singing in this. There's more singing in in the musical, I'd say. But in the recording, you can sort of hear like both Marley and Scrooge are starting to work more and they're kind of doing all their stuff and blah, 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 right? So we have XYZ and... um, What I, what I really find really interesting about all of this stuff is that there's all of this happening and it's very puzzle and bustle. And then at that one moment where, where she takes off the ring and says, I can't be with you because you can't, you know, be happy with enough money. You know, it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking moment. And for me, that is the first moment where you see his heart close. And, and then that we have that transformation and, and, and the difference in the music where you feel like the music feels heavier and more complicated and, and driven in a very deliberate way where it's less free and, and more focused on now how Scrooge had become presently, how Scrooge became Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Hunter?
1: So for me, I mean, like, obviously the... Um... The, and a montage is, is intentionally, I think, often, you um, well, I would say movie montages tend to often be solely music-based, overlaid over images, and so there's not usually much dialogue. And on, on a play, like Sean said, the dialogue is interspersed to just sort of keep the montage moving, so you stop it at certain points to see what's happening. Um, so for me, I always find that a montage has like a nice uh it has an eclectic set of like dynamics and tempo because it's meant to show different things happening um and that's probably the biggest thing that stood out to me is that there's just there's a variety of different clips of songs and, and tempos and dynamics throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. and then near the In terms end of plot obviously it's just
2: yeah it helps fill out more of that that, that story, more of the backstory, as, as Sean had mentioned right. before. Yeah. We're seeing more of the emotional weight. We're seeing a little more into what made Scrooge into who he is. Yeah. Um, But near the end, you touched on the fact that we hear many different themes in this montage. I heard a couple just... Quick passages, like not even a full three seconds worth of it. But I heard um, in the orchestration a theme that brought me back to Pocahontas. Savages. And so, again, this was Uh 94. Pocahontas came out in 95 and is also an Alan Menken special. And there's one of the themes that, that, um, just a short melody that's played, um by what I believe would be the clarinet based on the sound of it, in the texture that reminds me of... the opening of Savages at the end, near the, the the right before the climax of Pocahontas. Um for my Dis- for my deep Disney fans, this is um when Pocahontas' father's like, this is what we fear, The pale face is a demon. And so it's all of that, that, that emotional weight, and it's starting to build toward this tension because John Smith and Pocahontas and, you know, it's just a problem. And so mm-hmm. that theme, that brooding theme, that darkness, that something is something is it's happening, it's building up toward this climax, that sound, um, that melody came up near the end of this montage. I was like, wait a second, and it took me there immediately because it sounds like literally the same phrase that was Uh used in Savages just less than a a year later. So I'm just, that, just, that I don't know. That took me on a whole different journey, and I was like, "Okay, Alan Mencken, we hear you. We hear you trying <laughs> this theme out before you developed it later in your next project and made it into something even bigger." And so that was kind of interesting. So so far we've heard a little bit of Beauty, well, a lot of Beauty and the Beast, a little bit of Pocahontas, and we're hearing influences from every, from Rogers and Hammerstein. We're hearing a little Sondheim, um, Gilbert and Sullivan. So we're hearing a lot. A lot of influences in this score so far. And that's, I guess we're just hearing Alan Menken and all of his influences. Catalogue. Um, his catalogue. Everything in one. Right. And so following the money montage, where we get a, a, a deeper look into Scrooge, who he is and why he is who he is, we go into abundance and charity. So this is another crazy dance number. Hunter, what do you think of this one?
1: So this is, I believe, the introduction of Jesse L. Martin, um, who plays the Ghost of Christmas Present. And, um, you know, this is... It has a nice opening before the mother, as so many of the, of the numbers do. But, and, but it eventually expands into this big Ziegfeld-esque production, um with like chorus girls and you know choir and all that kind of stuff um playing i think on the the double meaning of um in the title abundance and charity mm-hmm. like abundance being grandiose and and plenty and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so you know income all these performers and like he's got a big production number going on you know you expect to see some jazz hands everywhere you know and uh it's really like gratuitous which is sort of Scrooge. Well, it's sort of the opposite of Scrooge, right? Because he's not gratuitous at all. He's very miserly. Um, but I feel like that's. I don't know. It's an interesting contrast because he does. No one sees him as gratuitous because he has so much money, um, mm-hmm. and while well, everyone else has none. Right. What. So is what I thought of. What stood out to me? I love, the I, <laughs> say, love the, vocal, the I love the vocals of the, the the chorus girls.
2: Of the chorus girls, yeah, yeah. It it is another big number. It's a big number. But what what got me about this piece before mm-hmm. I throw this over to Sean is the level of camp in this character. <laughs> the level of camp in the Ghost of Christmas Present is such that it screams to be just a drag number. The whole thing, with all of the <laughs> the showgirls and the, just the production quality and the musical quality of it, all the how mo- if you watch this movie and see this scene, even out of context, I could see this person, the Ghost of Christmas Present very much being just an epic drag queen, just a drag performer. And this whole number could be a drag number, 100%. Uh-huh. And it would still work in this context because it's just so over the top. It's so grandiose. It, it's just, it it begs to be. Someone needs to take it and make it um, a feature on their show. Um, and so I guess with, with how big... His acting is, and, and the character of, of the Ghost of Christmas present, the, 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 the costuming, everything, it just seems to be quite the, the big production number, a big number in this production. Uh-huh. Sean, what do you think about, about Abundance and Charity?
0: No doubt, because Jesse Martins, as we all know, has that really iconic role in Rent. And, and Rent did come eight years prior to this part for Jesse so what i find really interesting and you guys are like, well, like...
1: <laughs> wait eight years prior didn't rent happen in 96 yeah 96 right and this came out oh wait no we're talking about the movie not the musical yeah. okay yes because this was 2004 <laughs> that's what i'm thinking <laughs> yeah so um but i find really interesting about that is that yes it
0: comes from this huge it's, it's, it's just it's like it's overflowing and it's crazy and it's it's like hunter was saying abundance it's just like there's just so much that we have and the first scene that we see that both the christmas of uh, sorry the ghost of christmas present and scrooge have is that long table full of like gourds and gourds of food it's 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 absolutely ridiculous and when you read it the, the when you read the book there's like pages and pages of like descriptions of what's on the table and like different kinds of yams and steaks and like it's ridiculous but i think that that is what this comes from and i love telling the story because it's so true and it happened um on thursday and we were rehearsing this number the choreo the choreography for this number and we were kind of doing it and we we're all like like real caught dancing and then Lisa, the choreographer, goes, Okay, ready, everybody? Here we go. He goes, bah, nah, bah, 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 nah. And we're like, like, oh like and all the all the adults were like, Holy crap, let's let's go do this thing. Like, oh my god. And again, it, it kind of speaks to that kind of over crazy. It's like it's it's over it's over the top. And I think what makes it so over the top is and I think the connection that we're looking for within the show is that because Scrooge, you have so much you're able to share your wealth with other people because of how much you have. And I think that this number is just, it's one of those things where because you have so much of it and, and that's that. And that, and then there's that other universal theme of when you have too much of something, what do you do with it? Most people will say, Oh, I'm just going to throw it out. We have to share what we have based on how much we have, you know, cause we can't just, if we hoard it to ourselves, who are we saving it for? Really, honestly. We have everything that we have, but we also have to share our wealth and spread it around in a way that's that's plentiful. And I think that's something that's beautiful about this song is that, yes, it is a great drag number. And there's it's, it's this huge element of surprise and, and dance and beauty. But like at the same time, there's nothing without that unless we're giving it out and sharing it with other people and building that 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 block of like that that sort of step of like okay what are we going to do what do we gonna do here and and thinks about like if this if abundance is the one thing charity is the second thing that is response to abundance so i think uh-huh. that's what that what makes this song so playful and honestly just so um tiring because the dancing is ridiculous and i can't wait hunting for mm-hmm. you to see it because then you're like oh i see sean he's trying to He's trying to dance, he's doing his jugger dogging over there, but, but I'm trying. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. so
2: it's funny. Speaking of the choreography, I hope y'all aren't wearing clunky shoes. Because um at one point I was watching and listening to the dance break and there was singing going on, but all I could hear was just shoes. Just shoes on the stage. Just shoes. In the Mm -hmm. audio, I heard orchestra and shoes. So at one point I was like, was this supposed to be a tap number? Because I shouldn't be hearing galloping horses is what it sounded like on the stage in this audio recording. Um, And and I didn't appreciate that because it didn't sound like it was organized. It didn't sound like, oh, this is a group of people doing the same steps. And so their feet are hitting the stage at the same time. It sounded like like the kentucky derby it sounded like just (laughs) galloping and it's like this is extremely distracting and it kind of pulled me out of the the whole fantasy of the movie for a bit Mm. that paired with the fact that at the very end um love jesse martin to death but he was extremely sharp on the last note and so that (laughs) chord never settled it did not like he was sustaining it and he hey he was he was he was giving it but he was giving it sharp, and so it did not work. The ensemble came in, and they were they were right where they needed to be and He was just,
0: <laughs> just
2: Mm-mm. not even like a not even like a- like a solid half step He was just many cents sharp, and it was not it did not feel good and I was like. Let me listen to this again. And so I, re- I I took it back. I was like, let me, let me see if it's a, a different harmony that I'm not hearing. Let me see if this is what it's really supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I'm just freaking out. Nope. The choir was settled. The orchestra was settled in one key. And he was not there with them. He was pushed in very sharp. Yeah. So that's not the great way to end Abundance and Charity, in my opinion. But... You know, they said, all right, somebody gave the go-ahead and said, this is the best take, let's move on. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the one. And I'm not the one. But, after that, ooh, we went into Christmas together. No.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um this one uh we had we we heard this one coming i think we we had heard yeah. hints of this before and so this is the full development of the whole song right yeah. um sean do you want to talk about this one first
0: yeah i'll, I'll be i'll be brief about it which which i think <laughs> is really interesting about this song is that the melody is very consistent all the way throughout it's it's It uses some of the God bless us everyone part two. So we have that in that as well. So I find at this point in the show, a lot of the songs are pretty much connected and we have oh, had a lot of reprisals in other songs, which is really interesting. And so what I'll say about this one is that the tiny Tim in our show is the cutest kid you've ever heard of or in your entire <laughs> life. He goes
1: it's like the its
0: it's like it's and i can see um hanif throwing up in the background but that's kind of what we were thinking about for this for this number it's just it's just it's over the top but it's it's so cute it's like that moment where all kids wake up and they go wake up wake up and the parents are like we were up at two o'clock. Can like, you like, give
1: us a break, please?
0: But like, it's that moment where they're all up and we're all celebrating. Fred really gets to come back and gets to share his two cents. My favorite line in Fred's line being, Here's to his health, even though he puts wealth over Christmas together. Sad when a fellow has nothing to love but his gold. I mean, that to me is such a really big moment for Fred because Fred is then like, Fred, Fred, Fred acknowledges his fault. But still, it wants to be a part of his life, which I think is really beautiful. And, and Scrooge sees that in the vision. And then my favorite line being like when when we were singing this, um, maybe a couple weeks ago, we were kind of rehearsing this. I was I was trying to do all the voices in my family, so I was singing the, the I was singing the the female part. She goes, Yeah, after yeah, you invite him here, and then the kid goes, <laughs> I hope that his dad gets cold. <laughs> but I think, and again, like the two other members of my family know that he's still going to hurt me. But I think that as a character of Fred, Fred is so good natured, good willed, and someone who really enjoys the aspect of being together. He then says, Well, here's to his health, even. Well, well, even his health when all Scrooge may be for Christmas together. And then it comes to that when we talked about that beard scratching moment. What does Christmas together mean? Hmm. Like spending time with other people is what Christmas is really all about. And finding your blessing that you're spending time with other people and being grateful that you have X, Y, and Z vis-a-vis Hanif and hunter in this podcast with me because i'm so grateful that they are here but like i'm just saying that we, we we feel grateful because we're with one another and we're able to support one another through things and we're also there to to build in the love and support that we have for each other and i think that this number does a really great job of representing the community at large because we've had those big community moments before but this is a really big one that we're all like oh okay so we're doing x y and z and blah 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 and Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Hunter. Um. So for this one, (laughs) I just I keep laughing over Sean's imitation of their kid. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Um. So for me, the waltz. I mean, like obviously I've talked about the waltz. Is it's my favorite sort of feel for a song, and I also think around Christmas time there's something about it. It evokes the sense of like togetherness. almost like a skating vibe, you know, because there was, you know, the like the Vince Giraldi song, skating is in, in three. Um, there's peace in, in just sort of in the vibe of the song. Uh, and the songs itself also about people and not items, which is a big point for um, mm. Scrooge, I think, as he's listening, yeah. because it's that that's what the ghosts want him to understand. It's, it's not about the things you have or how much of it. it is about the people that you're around, um. And then what's interesting is it turns at the end somber, right? It becomes like this much slower, darker hue. And it really, I think, is meant to shift to Scrooge's perspective musically, um, not just in on screen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It It is another piece that... It goes through many different phases but i think that's where the story it 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 starts to turn and you start to maybe kind of see a a a bit of a hint of a change Mm -hmm. because now he now scrooge is really seeing some of what he's lost so before he has seen we saw a little bit of the backstory with emily and now we're seeing more of the family that he um He would be, I guess, estranged from, and he's seeing more of what he's not getting a chance to be a part of. And it's like, okay, well, now we're getting, now we're buying into this story a little bit more, and he's seeing just how much he's really losing by um, maintaining this persona or being who he is now. So it continues to progress. Um, Funny thing. I never noticed it until Sean sang the melody just now, but da 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 ta da ta da ta da That's the melody he sang before, right? Yeah. Does anyone else recognize that melody from somewhere else? Pocahontas. Pocahontas, all of my life I have searched for a land like this one. Yeah. John Smith. Oh wow right and so it's oh i noticed it later on i Mm -hmm. noticed it when we got down to what a day what a sky Mm -hmm. and i mentioned it there but this apparently is the another I, i wouldn't say quote because he hasn't done pocahontas yet but it's another melody that later became a a huge part of that Pocahontas score. So different texts, because of course the the book for this was was Lynn Aarons, and the book for um Pocahontas was Stephen Schwartz. But the the music is there; it's there, and so he must have loved these melodies for some reason, and ended up using them and developing and developing on them for the Pocahontas score, because that's from mine slash dig, and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we haven't realized by now that I love that Pocahontas score so much. And mm. so I will, so if I hear just a fraction of a second of something that sounds like it's from there, mm. I'm going to pick up on it. Because, ah, exactly. It's like, where do I know that from? Oh, Pocahontas. And so here we are. We're hearing other things coming out of the music as well. So mm. that's pretty interesting. The last thing with Christmas Together I noticed was, um, uh, the full ensemble choral finish. Yeah. It had such good layering, mm-hmm. such a thick texture that it feels warm. It feels good, like a nice, rich resolve. And um I really enjoyed that, Sean.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, that was really good because you you talk about it, and we're in, in totally different key. And I think something that we know about menken is that he likes to draw from different keys to to embellish the endings of songs. He likes to mm-hmm. go to that flat three and sort of similar to, he goes to family together, together all over the world. It's very, it's very menken ash very so that he mm-hmm. goes to like a different sounding key, but then he resolves and then goes to the end, which I think is a very menken like ism to do. And I was going to say my mm-hmm. last thing, and, and maybe you guys can talk about this, but my favorite part of the song is actually at the end of the song because that's where you start to see scrooge is starting to put two and two together and you get it's uh-huh. really get i mean you get to relish into this beautiful stuff even the child who has nothing has so much to live what is this feeling that overwhelms me he looks as fragile as air he is gent he'll fa- he- oh boy, how gently his father is placing him there. I mean it's just it's 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 heartbreaking. Again, sort of very mm-hmm. similar to a place called home, where you have that connection with the song, and then now you see that Scrooge is starting to sing the music that the villagers are singing, and that he's buying into their cult. And so what we're really trying to find in that music is that the love is there, and now we just have to just rip it open with Christmas, uh, Ghost of Christmas Future.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's. I, I mean, you're right, but again, with the melody you just sang, again, it's another. It's from the same song <laughs> in Pocahontas. <laughs> if there are any composition majors, doctoral students who are looking for a dissertation topic, if you have not found one yet, and you love musical theater <laughs> or you love Disney. Here is an idea. Look at, the, look at the parallels between Alan Menken a Christmas Carol and the other Disney in, in, in the mm-hmm. same period. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's something there. Yeah. Lol, Text from Beauty and the Beast, something there that wasn't there before. So, you know, just <laughs> there's an idea. Just, just dropping that gem there for anybody who wants to run with that. I may not be the one, but for sure someone else can be. Um, so, following Christmas together... We go to another scene, um, Dancing on Your Grave. That's another number. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I don't need to describe much about this. I think the name tells you what, what we're seeing yeah. here. It's another vision that we're being presented. And Scrooge is seeing what goes on in this graveyard. Hunter, do you want to lead us through this one?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, the, the tone of it is from the title and you could tell dancing on your grave. I mean, like that's pretty obvious it's reminiscent of gloom. I mean, even in the music, the beat moves, which is interesting, but what I found, and this is like very musical, like analytical, but if you cut the beat in half, um, it has a very dirge like feel, which is only sped up by the fact that like you count, Oh, look, there's, there's Sean's showing me the music highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the dirge is hidden behind the the way that the vocalists are singing but i imagine like i almost envision like zombies walking because i i didn't see the movie i didn't watch the movie um i imagine like zombies walking at half speed but still singing at this faster pace so it has a, a funeral esque to it um which and we're talking about a grave so that makes sense um what else i find is that the melody moves up and down in like very small steps. I, I sometimes half steps, sometimes whole steps circling around a central note. So it's or bum, 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 foam, foam, soak, <clears throat> you know, and it's coming back to the central note, um, mm-hmm. which is like stagnation almost, you know what I mean? Not, that I don't think I like the song. It's not that it's stagnant. It's just technique wise. I think that that's intended because like the person's dead, like that, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. It's, it's, Meant to be one sort of hovering around one note, um, symbolically.
2: Mm-hmm. Also, that it that just moving around half steps or whole steps around a note gives very much like the Jaws idea of something. Yes, very much so. Something, something scary, something imminent. You know, so it very it much so. also gives that that same energy. Nowhere near a major. It's always like. The seconds or minor thirds always giving you that darkness, that kind of brooding sense that something is about to happen or something eerie is happening. Um, right, Sean? Yeah,
0: I'll say this, which is the lyrics really punctuate with the with the aspect of the shovel that's happening while they're digging his grave. And so, listen to the rhythm of the shovel and the mm-hmm. gravel and the murmurs mm-hmm. of the spirits that you fear. Mm-hmm. And so, I highlighted all of the accents that are in the music and so it's listen to love the shovel and the gravel right and so basically mm-hmm. what the thing is you can hear the crack of the shovel in the ground and i think that is such a powerful thing to do especially when you're in that low register and hunter you got really close on zombies but they're actually monks
1: and monks, and monks oh, are, okay oh yeah like
0: wooden yeah so they're like they're they're shoveling his grave and so basically my favorite part is when the lower bass goes, your future is here. Right? Yeah. Your future is here. You see all those low notes right there? It's very funny. For mm-hmm. so was um this is a podcast, not a not a visual <laughs> way to look at something. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's really interesting and somewhat similar to, similar to what the what the monks are doing then scrooge because then goes on to lead me to the future i don't know what hell awaits me but i know i have to go there to return tear me into shreds and recreate me he still doesn't realize what's going on at that point like he's like why are you showing me someone digging up a grave like why are you, why are you doing mm-hmm. that, right and but it doesn't it, it gets better because I'm in. I'm one of the businessmen that kind of like goes into that back sort of very similar to didn't he die? Didn't who die, sir? Terrible. Me what's his name. Couldn't care less. Neither could I, sir. At funeral day and no one came. What did he leave? No one knows and nobody chose to mourn his fate. So he has mm-hmm. that realization of like, wait a second, they're talking about me and maybe I really didn't leave anything behind because people couldn't remember me, you know? So... Yeah,
2: doesn't this funeral scene start with Tiny Tim's grave? I mean, spoiler alert. No, oh, a okay. little bit later. You're so close. <laughs> later, Just okay. So, so, okay. so okay, jumping the okay. gun. I said, like, whoops. Okay, I don't know. Cut that out if you wanna. But dancing on your grave. This, um, this particular scene, like the sound of it, also reminded me of something else from the nineties. It was from The Nanny there's that scene where Bobby Sophie appears to her in a dream mm. and the whole theme of that dream was Fiddler on the Roof mm.
1: the, the <laughs>
2: graveyard scene yeah. and they were all dressed it was all greys and, and blues and blacks and everybody had the pale face the original appearance of um, Marley up by Link by Link reminded me very much of that and now the singing in this, in this number Dancing on Your Grave also took me back to that, because it very much felt like that scene from <laughs> the Bobby Sophie dream. I mean, and if you if you Google it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and if you happen to watch the movie um, For for the Christmas Carol, which is uh, on YouTube for free, by the way, um, then you can also see it there, mm-hmm. and you see how, how closely related they are. It's still very very much the early 90s, did, early to mid-90s. Do you guys
0: also recognize Link by Link, that's sung later in the song, by a character named Old Joe? these are nice i'll give you eight three to eight mom because that does that kind of ring a bell at all oh yeah, but no i, I didn't notice yeah i announced cool. that yeah <laughs> sung by the same character in the show by the way so <laughs> okay haha <laughs> there you go
2: so <laughs> they just said you learned this one song and this is all you're gonna <laughs> sing every time you open your mouth you're singing mouth, this one be the song. One. song. just that you're like oh you have a line it's this song it's what you're singing all right. So, following "Dancing on Your Grave," we move to another. Speaking of bringing back, we reprise "You Mean More to Me."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, right? F- are you gonna say? Are you gonna say "Ugh" now, Hanif?
2: No, I'll wait. I'll, <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think by this point, I checked out. I was like, "Not this again!" Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Sean, what do you have to say about this? This
0: is my favorite. I mean, not my. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say my favorite. It's it's a very emotional, very quick song. Cuts to the deep. I mean, you see Bob Cratchit reacting to Tiny Tim's death in the future, not the present. The future, the future, the future. Um, because we're really starting to see, and then that really causes Scrooge to finally have the moment that we really need him to have in the show, which is his like his not his ultimatum, but his, his eye-opening experience. Like, his epiphany. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I just, It was on the tip of my tongue. So that to me just shook me.
1: And I was like, man, this is, this is some real stuff.
0: So, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hunter?
1: Yeah, I had the same note, which was that it's sort of the emotional, like hitting home point. Um, it, it brings, uh, I think it's sort of like the sc- the straw that breaks the camel's back for Scrooge. You know what I mean? Just seeing, like, the devastation of what his world causes. Um, Even, and it's something, like, he he didn't cause, like, he didn't cause hunger. He didn't cause, you know, war or anything. But seeing that his actions have directly affected someone that he knows so close to home. um, Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Home. And, Uh. like, (laughs) what'd you say? Home. Is that word again? Home. Home.
1: (laughs) see so it's it's, I think, for him, the sort of breaking point,
2: yeah, I suppose i and that's I guess that's what the whole story is about. It's about the the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future, not just showing him what has happened. It's the combination of all three, yeah. to say. These are the things that have happened. This is what you're doing now. And the people around you, this is how you're affecting them, even though you don't realize it. And if you don't change, this is what will happen. And so they're not saying, hey, we're doing this so that you will be a better person. They're doing it in hopes that he will want to change. Because, again, they can't force him to do anything. They can just... You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. So they're no, just showing done. him all of these things to maybe reawaken his heart. Because mm. uh-huh. he still has one, but I guess he's just been so hurt. I mean, wow, now I feel seen. Um, he's just been <laughs> so hurt by so many things. And maybe this is why I can relate to some of what he's going through. Mm-hmm. But he's been hurt by so much that he has maybe <laughs> lost that connection to his heart or to his home. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to help him realize that this is what is happening now. And then he comes to that realization that, okay, so this is what's going on. I really do need to change because this isn't how I want any of this to play out. I was just trying to take my father's advice so I wouldn't end up poor and broke like I was in my youth. I was just trying to take his advice and make sure I was able to take care of myself. But he went to the extreme, and that's the issue. And so, right, we're at that emotional turning point now where he's like, wow, I've really been a trash human being, so yeah. maybe I should change things. And that brings us to yesterday, tomorrow, and today. God bless us all.
1: Uh uh-huh.
2: hmm hmm Hunter, you want to take us away through this?
1: Yeah, so this one starts very dark and... um you know, it, it come. it's where he comes to the recognition of his faults and, you know, he sort of makes this big breakthrough. But what's interesting about it is that it's like it's in a minor key for, I think, because he's talking about the you know, the gravity of his offenses, realizing how poorly he's behaved. Um, but it's also a song of, of hope in a way. Well, maybe not hope, but it's more like a plea for redemption. Um and so it's weird that like he's trying to be so forethinking in this one, he's he's recognizing the issues, but at the same time it's still so eerie because he knows he's literally staring into the face of death. <laughs> so,
2: very mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that
0: Sean. Yeah, I'll say it really quickly, which is Hunter is totally right in that there is this sense of just this sense of longing and need. And I feel like this is such a great song for Scrooge. Honestly, I, every time I hear this song, very, maybe sort of similar to to how we started the show, but now Scrooge has totally shifted his angle to feeling like, yes, this is something that I need to do. This is something I need to follow and figure it out. And seems more impassioned with the way that we're, instead of going maybe an up and inflection, he's able to go down with more comprehension. I have seen a future full of darkness, all the darkness of my heart. Right. And it, it just yeah. feels, it just feels like it's, it's just moving in a general direction where we're just, we're ever so slightly changing the affectation to just see what's happening. And, and and that being just something, a slow methodical way of seeing like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how we're presenting X, Y, and Z and how we're going to make this a, a full thing, you know? So what an impassioned way to end the show, but also a way to, to see Scrooge in, in the capacity that he finally sees himself as a human being with feelings and is able to connect to other people because he sees the humanity in himself, but in other people as well. And I think that gives him more confidence to go for the future. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what did, what did you think about this song?
2: I, I actually, I I know we, I've taken notes on a bunch of these. I have no notes on this one. He he sang very well in this. Mm. A lot of what we had heard from him before was more of the speech singing, yeah. more the, the sprechstimme. But up until this point, we hadn't really heard him sing, sing. But I think he does have some some lovely passages here. Would we call this Scrooge's aria? We might. <laughs> we might, because it's that emotional content that we're dealing with it's him singing about what's now happening and making that realization and this it really is that turning point because after this he comes out of it on the other end a whole different person
0: mm-hmm.
2: with uh-huh. with renewed vigor and fervor for for i guess love and happiness and family mm-hmm. and um so the song really had to take us through those paces, through the thought process. And um, I, think, I think it did that
0: pretty well. I think that there's a purpose to showing present, sorry, the past and the present. But we, we, were, we were just curious. I mean, I think it leaves the audience saying he knows what he did in the past, and that hurts him. Mm-hmm. He knows what it looks like in the future. Like, why do we still have to show him the future, right? He has to be reminded of if things go the way that they are now and he doesn't change, this is how he will be remembered. And he will not be yeah. able to forgive himself for, for what he hasn't been able to do for the people in the future. You know.
2: Yeah. There was also a moment when um, after seeing, I think it was Christmas present, when he saw um, that Tiny Tim wasn't well. Mm. And that the family was trying to deal with that. And he said, but I didn't know tiny Tim wasn't well. Why did nobody tell me? And, um, I think the ghost said, but they tried to tell you
0: Mm.
2: they tried, but you, you didn't, you didn't care enough to listen. And so then he realized that was like a, like a, like a, like a gut punch. He's just like, Oh, wow you're right mm-hmm. and so more things to make him i guess feel bad feel remorseful and be like wow i'm a garbage human and i need to do better about
1: things <laughs> garbage <laughs> human
2: and so so a lot of that really did come into play here and this is his turning point at the end of this he starts anew with what a day what a sky he's a whole different person oh, man. Great- and again Many of these many of the moments in this. This is where I had elements, modulations, and melodic phrases from from mine slash dig from Pocahontas. So much of this <laughs> so much of this is um is content that en- ends up being in in Pocahontas in, in mine mm-hmm. and dig. It's so good. It's good music. It's stirring music. Um the progressions that are used, um, the movement through the different um tonal centers and the emotions that are brought out, the kind of jubilance, the joy, the um how would I put this going into the unknown, mm-hmm. but also feeling as though everything <laughs> is Disney opening movie. up, yeah, it's going <laughs> into the unknown, um going out into this this wide world that all of a sudden is new, all of those elements of mine and dig are here in what a day, what a sky, right? Mm-hmm. Hunter, what would you say?
1: Yeah, for this one, um, you know, it's, how do I describe it? The The word sky I think is the important part here because it's sort of, um, you know, there's these rising strings, the glockenspiel that plays and the bells, they symbolize now, you know, again, just like when uh, Jan Krakowski was saying, you know, snow, sky, heaven all has this sort of open feel. Um, and to that typical bell passage that they use a dun 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 dun, dun mm-hmm. you know, That that which is it which is cool. If it's used, it's used really well. Um and then Sean, you gotta love the trumpet interjection it's in great. there. Um when it when it plays after the after the melody, which is just great. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. And um has very Menken resolve to it. You know what I mean? It has that very um almost like Uh, what's the song from Hercules? Um, Where I Belong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it has that when he's flying through the sky, the reprise, and he's talking about right where I belong, and he's going through, you know, uh, after he meets his father. So that was sort of the first thing that I said. It just, it fits very well with the title. It gives the emotion that you want. And uh, I think it's a good way to lead into the reprise at the
0: end. And also, too, I mean... I think, like you said I, what, what really hits me the most and I love playing Fred because Fred gets to really sing the end tune at the end of the song and many of you guys might have heard it but I want to ask you where he gets the song from because he sings There's a place in my heart where you've always been
1: for me What is the question there? Is
2: that from somewhere else earlier in this show? Yeah, what's
1: the name of that song?
0: There's a place in know. my heart where you've always been for me. Home. Home. <laughs> Look
1: at that.
2: There it is. That's that's it does make sense. That does make sense. Again with the, the theme of home and, and being yeah. there in that comfortable place where everything is right and the Wi Fi connects automatically.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Home. That's the one. But I, I see here in, in the notes French horn octaves, lol. Um <laughs> <laughs> there are all these musical elements and just like with the trumpet interjection, it's like it's heralding something new. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a triumphant fanfare, and nothing gives a good fanfare like brass. And so that's just yeah, of course. it it how it's how it brings it in. Um it's very that very jolly. Again, jolly uh-huh. and just joyous, effervescent you know it's it's that kind of brightness that after the gloom um after the the brooding at the graveside and the gloom and the the, the mystery of the 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 wandering half steps and whole steps around the the tonic that that kind of brooding uh-huh. sound, it's now okay. You've made that emotional switch. you've gone through the depth of the, the Scrooge's aria Scrooge's lament, mm-hmm. and now
1: uh-huh.
2: um yeah. he's made that change and he's a different person. What a day what a sky now introduces this he's um, he's like turned one eighty a whole different person the picture of 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 um of joy, the picture of charity of of um abundance and love and it's like who is this person? And so, we see all of that, and then it goes into the big reprise for the big ending of Christmas together. Uh-huh. hmm Right? So, Sean, wanna wrap this one up? Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll just... <laughs> talk about this yeah, one. Yeah, I'll just say, I mean... It's very similar to the beginning. It's very obvious that what we're doing is just recapping the sound of what makes Christmas Christmas. And there's nothing more like Christmas together. So, and that's the theme of the musical, honestly. That you, when you spend Christmas with other people, it makes you realize how lucky you are to be alive and to spend time with people and have that connection. So,
1: mm-hmm. Hunter? Hunter? So, for me, I've got to bring back the waltz, which is fantastic. Um, but the other thing I noticed is that it's a very old style ending where you bring back the, the the piece that tends to be the most moving. And sometimes it's the most emotionally moving, but sometimes it's also the most physically moving piece, meaning like the sense of movement, because it, they want everyone to sort of rush towards the climactic ending and feel it together, um, which is what you can do with this song. And then the whole company comes in for this big ending. Um, and of course, you have to throw in the Charles Dickens ending with God bless us, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um with Tiny Tim at the end. So um, I think it's a really like neat bow wrapping ending, Christmas pun intended.
2: Yeah, I think so. It It's, it's the right ending. Was it a little abrupt? Maybe, <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe, but because it's like there, there's, there's in the span of just these two pieces. So he has the moment where he makes that realization and then what a day, what a sky, and then we're finishing. It's, you know, we don't, dwell in the happiness too long it's just all of a sudden he's a new person some of the characters that he interacts with are a little apprehensive they're like what is going on who is this person <laughs> which is understandable because I would be apprehensive too like are you okay is this a trick are you trying to murder me in my sleep um <laughs> but everybody I guess kind of buys into it and then he shows up at his family's house and they're like wow I love that they're waiting They're waiting there yeah. with open arms like d- they don't expect him but they're like hey we always set a place just in just in case he's always invited he turns up and the family is like hey wow we're so happy you came there isn't any apprehension about mm-hmm. it about right. him being there and there's that warmth and the music really it's just that, that, that joy that jubilation in the music it leaves you with that good feeling as you said it Nicely wraps it up with a bow and finishes it up. So, honestly, yeah, I'd probably go watch a stage a stage um, production of this if I could, if there were one in my town or close by. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> there is not. But you know, what you're gonna it's do? Always here if you like was... to
0: make the eight hour trip up here. If you would like to
2: <sighs> <laughs> the eight hour. Sorry, drive. sorry, sorry. I'm...
0: Almost twenty four hour trip up here.
2: Yikes, on my bicycle, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I fear that may be longer than 24, but here we are. I'll buy a jetpack soon and make make my way up there to the eastern seaboard.
0: (laughs) And so, Hanif... Hunter, I will probably have the last word, which is thank you both for doing this with me today. I mean, I've been very lucky to have this show in my pocket because I've been able to return to theater and just remember how awesome it is to be part of the cast and then also share my love of the music musical with you guys. And, and that's, that's also a pleasure too. So So thank you, Hanif, for doing this last minute, and thank you, Hunter, for also doing this. Because I mean, you are contractually obligated to be here, so um, (laughs) so that's that's otherwise. But thank you both for being here, and I I appreciate that.
2: Sure, we're we're grateful to have you here as well, Sean. We're grateful you're here with us
1: this time. We are.
2: Wow, we're we're blessed to have you here with us. Your
1: presence (laughs) is is a blessing.
0: And as we're all pondering Christmas <laughs> together, I mean, thank you for, for bringing that up, too. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. So take care, Hanif, and we'll see you soon.
2: All righty. My pleasure.
1: I'm Sean ramkunas And I'm Hunter Sagona. And
2: I'm, who some may call, Professor Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time when we discuss Beethoven 5.